morning church. Uh, today's Bible readings from John chapter 1, 19 to 51, and can be found on page um, 860 of your Bibles. Uh, but before I read, let me pray. Almighty God, we thank you for your word and the Bible that allows us to know you and the gospel. I pray that as we hear your passage today and the sermon, that you open our ears and hearts to your word, so that your word may dwell deeply in us, and so that we may continue to spiritually mature as Christians. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, So John chapter 1, verse 19 to 51. John the Baptist denies being the Messiah. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him, Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany, on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptizing. John testifies about Jesus. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him. But the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. John's disciples followed Jesus. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, 
you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. John, Jesus calls Philip and Nathanael. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, He truly is an Israelite, in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree, before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of God. Let's uh, pray as we uh, we get into this. Father, we are so thankful for your word. Uh, We are so thankful that through it you show us the way of salvation through faith in your Son. Help us see Jesus uh, this morning as we uh, look at this account. Uh, Help us see Jesus with the eyes of faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, seeing is believing. People say that all the time. People say that if they saw Jesus, uh, they would believe. If they saw the miracles, the signs, the wonders, they would believe because seeing is believing. I look at John the Baptist there in verse uh, 29. After seeing Jesus, he says, look. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He saw Jesus and said that. Imagine if we saw Jesus too. Seeing is believing after all. We want to see Jesus. And it might be uh, why we often hear people saying they see Jesus. You might have seen some of these on your news feed. I've got some some pictures here. Rosie uh, saw uh, Jesus on a potato chip. Uh, The Bell family, they saw Jesus on on a Cheeto. Uh, Ernesto, not Ernest, Ernesto uh, saw him eating a breakfast burrito uh, and Paul saw him as he opened up his orange uh, one morning. People see Jesus in food, uh, in the clouds, in frying pans because people are fascinated with the idea of seeing Jesus. And while these images do look alike, the I- we have absolutely no idea what Jesus looked like. Absolutely no idea whatsoever. And so for all we know, Jesus could have looked like Dan Kong or Jonathan, our French minister, rather than myself. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. And so seeing Jesus in a, in a chip or something like that, it, does, it doesn't really help with us in our faith. And if we're really looking to those kinds of things, well, we're really up the wrong tree. We saw last week that the word became flesh and dwelt among us so that we could see him. And so we need to look for Jesus in the right places uh, with the eyes of faith. And that's what we're going to see this morning. As the disciples first see Jesus, as Jesus begins his earthly ministry, 
uh, they see him with eyes of faith. And it's just like us. We too need to see Jesus uh, with the eyes of faith. Uh, last week, we, we started looking at the book of uh, uh, John's Gospel, and we saw that the divine, uh, eternal creator, the, the Word, that is in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And this Word, well, the Word became flesh, became physical, just like us, and dwelt among us. And he did it to, to save us to bring us into relationship with God, that we may have the privilege of being children of God, that we may call him Father. It was amazing, incredible stuff. We also met last week that John the Baptist was sent by God to witness, to witness about Jesus so that all would believe in him. Uh, Which brings us to our passage uh, this morning where we get to see John the Baptist in action uh, today's passage, you might have noticed as Ernest read there, occurs over a couple of days. You might have noticed the markers there repeated on the next day, on the next day, on the next day. And so you can kind of see how it happens over a couple of days. Uh, but instead of kind of following the, the structure like, like that, I thought that we'd kind of look at, look at three things. First thing we'll look at is uh, John the Baptist himself. Uh, the second is what John saw in Jesus. And third, what the disciples saw in Jesus. Well, first up, uh, John the Baptist. Uh, John was sent by God to prepare the way for the Lord, uh, for Jesus. Now, he is in uh, Bethany, uh, and he's baptizing people there. Uh, and the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, that is the capital, they, they send their, their big shots to kind of check up on what he's doing. They send priests and, and Levites and, and Pharisees. Now, Bethany to Jerusalem, it's about 200 kilometres. That's a massive walk. Remember, no cars. They walked that distance. And so the fact that they've sent these people kind of show something's going on here for, for John. He's obviously causing a bit of a commotion. Is this guy legit? What's going on? Is, is he causing issues? And so they want to send people in to investigate, to figure out who is this John, who is this John guy. And, uh, and they ask, and, and John tells us who he is in verse 20. Have, have a look there. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Messiah. The Messiah was was a special title given to God's promised king in the the Old Testament, the old part of the Bible. Uh, That is, a a king from the line of David. David was the greatest king, but there was a promise that there would be a future king, uh, God's king who would rule and reign forever, the Messiah. But you see, John makes it very clear about himself, I am not the Messiah. But he goes even further. He says, I'm not Elijah and I'm not the prophets. Elijah and the prophets being being figures that were were linked with the the future arrival of of this Messiah. Now some of you might might be wondering and thinking through, didn't Jesus refer to John as the Elijah, as Elijah? And if you're thinking that, you know, you're right. As you, as you read some of the other gospel accounts, the other lives, uh, accounts of the life of, uh, of Jesus, Jesus does refer to him as, as Elijah. And so, so, so what's going on here? Well, Elijah was one of the prophets. Uh, he was a great prophet who God spoke to and spoke through to speak to his people. But at the end of his earthly life, a chariot came down from heaven and, and took him away. Uh, Elijah never never died. 
And so years after, after that happened, promises were made that, that, that an Elijah would come, someone like Elijah would come, and that he would prepare the way for, for the Messiah, for this future king. And so because Elijah hadn't died, many people thought that that actual Elijah, that one who was taken up in the chariot, he, that particular one, would come back. He would come back on his chariot and come and prepare the way for the, for the future Messiah. And so John here really is aware of this and really wants to distance himself from that, from that kind of understanding. He wanted to counter their expectations. He's not that Elijah who was taken up in, into, the, in, into, the, into the heavens. And so these heavies who have been set in to investigate who uh, John is, they want a positive answer. Or John says, no, I'm not him, I'm not him, I'm not him. They, they want something positive. So they're, who are you? And, and he tells them in verse 23, have a, have a look there. John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. John has been sent to prepare the way for the Lord. And he quotes uh, Isaiah, something written 700 years earlier, and he says, I've come to straighten the way, uh, to straighten the road, to clear the road uh, uh, for the Lord. Now, it's kind of like the, the Tour de France. Now, you might not like sport and you may not like cycling, but that's okay. Everyone can enjoy the Tour de France thanks to SBS. And the main reasons are it's a cooking show. There's always a cooking show on there. And it's like a travel show. No cleaning shows, but there's a travel show. And you see the mountains and the shadow. It's beautiful. Everyone can enjoy the Tour de France. But, but when it comes to the actual race, the race itself, uh, they, they clear the track. They clear the road. Anything that's movable, they, they, they take off, the, they, they, they get rid of. But some things are immovable, like traffic islands. And if, if you want to be in the know, it's called traffic furniture or road furniture. Uh, anyway, someone will stand there with a flag and kind of wave it to make sure that, I've got a picture there, they wave it so that people, so the cyclists kind of don't kind of smash into the, to the road furniture on the, on the road. Uh, but for John the Baptist... He removes all obstacles. There are no obstacles as he prepares the way for the Lord. And you see, the glaring obstacle for, for people of that time uh, that prevents them from coming to the Lord is their, is their sin, their rebellion against God and the need for repentance. And that is to, to turn away from sin and to turn to God instead. And really, these, these are the same obstacles for us uh, today. Uh, sin and the need of repentance are obstacles for us to truly uh, know God. And so John, as he prepares the way for the Lord, he, he calls people to repentance and, and he does that with, with baptism as he baptizes people. See, baptism is just a sign, it's, it's a symbol of, of repentance, of, that, of being washed and, and, and cleaned and preparing ourselves for the Lord. And so as, as the heavies are sent in from Jerusalem to check up and investigate who this John is, he makes clear he is the one making straight the way of the Lord. And as he is baptising people, John sees Jesus. And when John sees Jesus, he makes these incredible, he declares these incredible truths uh, about him. Uh, and the first one is that he is the Lamb of God. Have a look there from verse 29. Uh, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
Uh, and the next day on uh, verse 35, he says to his disciples, look, the Lamb of God. John sees Jesus and he declares that he is the Lamb of God. But specifically, the Lamb that was provided by God to deal with the sin uh, of the world. If you're not aware Humanity has a problem. We have a problem. It is the same problem that has plagued every person from the very beginning. That is, we have a heart problem. Our hearts, we reject our God, our maker, our sustainer in what we think, in what we say, and in what we do. And our heart problem actually makes it impossible for us to be in relationship with God. But back in the Old Testament, God, in his mercy, provided a way for his people uh, to deal with this massive heart problem, their sin, and to be in relationship with him. It's called the sacrificial system. Uh, The sacrificial system uh, saw an animal die in place of another. The consequence of of one's sin and, and heart problem was placed on the animal instead. The the animal took the punishment and died in the place of the person who made that offering. And and that dealed with sin at that that moment. But you see, the heart problem is ongoing. And so the sacrificial system never never dealt permanently with sin. Sin was an ongoing thing. Sacrifices needed to make constantly again and again and again. It was unending. But you see, also in the Old Testament, there there was a promise there was a promise, a passage that looks at God's future kingdom Messiah, uh, described him as, God said, as the lamb who was led to the slaughter. That is, he is God's lamb who would take away the sin of the world as a sacrificial death. But this time it would be a death once for all. He wouldn't need to keep on going again and again and again because this perfect uh, sinless Messiah could die once for all, for all people, for, for the whole world. So that our sin, our, our heart problem could be dealt with finally. You see, he would be a, a substitute. Uh, God's lamb, the Lord Jesus, would take the place of others. Uh, it's kind of like basketball. If you play basketball, or like watching basketball, a player will play their heart out, they get smashed, they get tired, and they, they need to be subbed off. And so another, they come off and they take a rest and another player takes their place and takes the, takes the court in their place. But you see, in our case with, with God and the Lord Jesus, he substitutes us, not off the basketball court, but out of the punishment of, of death, of God's wrath. You see, Jesus takes our place. And when we trust him, we are, we are saved. We are saved because he takes our place. The sacrificial system reminded God's people in the past of their heart problem, of their sin, and to deal with it. But you see, it was only ever a shadow of what was to come. See, that that, that system only ever pointed to the fact that Jesus would come and bring life through his death once and for all on the cross. And when John sees Jesus, he sees the Lamb of God. And the reality is John speaks better than he knows because John hasn't seen Jesus do anything yet. All he's seen is Jesus walk past. He is the Lamb of God. 
And so John sees Jesus with, with the eyes of faith, trusting that who he sees is God's lamb who would die for the sin of the world. Uh, John sees Jesus and he sees the Lamb of God. And he also sees that he's the one with God's uh, spirit. Uh, Have a look there in verse uh, 32. John says of Jesus, I saw the spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. Uh, in the Old Testament, uh, God would, would give out his spirit to, to particular people at particular times for particular roles. It wasn't, it wasn't always permanent, but it would, uh, wasn't permanent. It would kind of be on and go. So, so the, for example, the very first king, King, king Saul, uh, he was given the, the spirit for a particular role. Uh, but in light of his rebellion and, and sin subsequently, the, the spirit was removed from him. But, but notice here that the spirit remains on him. It does not depart. Again, promises from the Old Testament. It's interesting, isn't it? Like I'm keeping going back to the Old Testament. Old Testament's great. We, we really need it to, to understand uh, this stuff better. We need all the New and the Old Testament. So let me encourage you to, uh, to, to, read, to read all. Um, but back in the Old Testament, there were, there were these promises about the Messiah that were made, that God's future chosen king, that he would have God's spirit. Uh, and we see it in Isaiah 52 where, where the prophet speaks about, uh, about the Messiah. And again, it should be up on the screen. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. Uh, Jesus is God's chosen one, the Messiah who's been given God's spirit that rests on him. And God confirms this by using, uh, John confirms this by using really similar language. Have a look there in verse uh, 32. He says, I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. It's really similar language to that, to that Isaiah passage. But not only does he, does he have God's spirit, Jesus will baptise people and give them his spirit too. Uh, God says to John, he says this, he says, the man, I'm from verse 33, have a look. Uh, the man on whom you see the spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptise with the Holy Spirit. Uh, being baptised with the Holy Spirit is a sign that someone has been saved, that they have received the Holy Spirit and are now a child of God. They have recognised that Jesus is Lord, that he is king. They have turned away from their sin and they live for him. And it really demonstrates and shows that they have put their trust in the Lord Jesus. Uh, And that is what it means to be baptised by the Holy Spirit. But speaking in tongues or or extraordinary gifts like healings and other things, they they, they are not signs that someone has been baptised by the Holy Spirit. I think scripture makes it super clear that he's once someone puts their faith in Jesus, that, they, that he is king, that they are baptised. They receive uh, the Spirit. We see that the Spirit is, is the down payment for the inheritance that is to come when Jesus returns in glory. Uh, we see that the, the Spirit helps us live for him as we wait for him to return, that he is our helper, as we'll continue to see in John's uh, Gospel. Jesus is the one with the Spirit 
who gives the Spirit to his followers. And John had the wonderful privilege of knowing this truth because God had revealed it to John. But he still acted in faith upon seeing Jesus. He needed to act in faith. He didn't just, he hadn't seen Jesus do anything. He saw the Spirit rest on him, yes. But he had to trust that what God had said about what he'd saw, that it was true. That he had to link that what he'd saw is the link with what God had said. And so really he saw Jesus with the eyes of faith. Uh, John the Baptist saw Jesus uh, and testified that he was the Lamb of God with God's Spirit. And so John, this, this, uh, John tells a couple of his own disciples these things. And two of them, two of the disciples, upon seeing Jesus and hearing John say those things, they leave John and they follow Jesus instead. And after spending the afternoon, just the afternoon, not much time, Andrew, one of, one of those two, he is so struck by what he has seen uh, in spending that time with Jesus that he has to go tell his brother. Have a look there from verse uh, 40. Uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, uh, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. After meeting Jesus, Andrew is so taken by Jesus that, that he's got to tell others about him. Andrew sees that Jesus is the Messiah, and at this point we've got to remember he hasn't seen anything. No miracles, no healings, no signs, nothing. But he is so convinced that he is the Messiah that he goes and tells his brother about him. And he brings his brother to Jesus as well. Andrew has seen Jesus uh, with the eyes of faith. And, and I reckon there's a bit of a pattern here. I don't know if you noticed it, but someone sees Jesus and a claim about him is made, uh, that he's the lamb, the lamb of God, that he's the Messiah. And, and upon hearing this news, uh, someone investigates. They investigate this claim. And after they investigate this claim and discover that it's true, they follow Jesus. They follow with the eyes of, of faith. But you see, it doesn't end there. There's one last thing that they do. They are so taken by this news that they have to. They are compelled to tell others about it too. They hear Jesus. They hear about Jesus. They investigate the claims. And after hearing that it's true, they follow him. And then they proclaim him. Andrew uh, uh, does, does those things. And so he tells his brother about Jesus. And, and Andrew, he really begins the work of, of evangelism, of, of proclaiming Jesus to the world around him. And he brings his brother to meet Jesus. Uh, and what's compelled him? Remember, he's not, he's not seen anything. He's just spent the afternoon with Jesus, hanging out chatting. He has seen Jesus and, and connected that what has been said with him is, is true and seen Jesus with eyes of faith. We must remember that Andrew would not have understood much at this time. He hasn't seen the works and wonders that we will see as we unfold in this gospel. They are to come. But at this point, as Jesus begins his ministry, this brief time with Jesus was all he needed. He can see that Jesus is different. 
that he's the one that needs to be trusted and followed, the one that is to be proclaimed. He is the Messiah, the Christ, depending on whether you want a bit of Aramaic this morning or, or Greek, uh, Messiah or Christ. And so it's as people uh, see Jesus with the eyes of faith uh, that they investigate those claims and follow him and proclaim him as Andrew does with his brother. Uh, and it's the same for Philip too. Uh, Jesus finds Philip and says, hey, come follow me. Uh, and have a look what Philip does after he follows Jesus. Have a look there from verse 44. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and, said to, and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. Philip, bursting with excitement, finds his friend Nathaniel and tells him about Jesus. And again, these big claims are made about him. He's the promised one from the law and the promise, the one they pointed to. The law and the prophets were a way of saying the the whole Old Testament. Uh, Philip was convinced that Jesus was the promised one, God's promised chosen king uh, who would come. And just like Andrew before him, who hasn't seen much, Philip hasn't seen much, he's convinced by faith uh, that he truly is the Messiah, that he tells others about him too. And Nathaniel too, who hasn't seen Jesus before, after investigating these claims and a brief interaction with Jesus, says in verse 49, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Jesus. Nathaniel, like the disciples before him, after spending a brief time with Jesus, uh, they respond in faith. And while they haven't seen much yet, Jesus promises these, these in, Jesus promises they'll see incredible stuff. You ain't seen nothing yet, he says. But you see, what they have seen up until this point, which isn't much, uh, leads them to declare these wonderful things about Jesus. They have seen Jesus with the eyes of faith. It is said that seeing is believing. Well, at this point, the disciples haven't seen much and yet they believe. They have heard these claims made about Jesus. They've investigated for themselves and they have seen with the eyes of faith and followed him and they have told others about him too. And I reckon each of us here this morning is somewhere on that flow. From, from hearing about Jesus, whether for the first time or the hundredth time, but still not yet following Jesus. We're hearing about Jesus. We, we might be investigating who Jesus is. We may, we may be following Jesus today. We've believed, we've come to see this, we've come to see Jesus uh, uh, as, as the Messiah, as the King. We've seen him with eyes of faith and followed him. And we're proclaiming him, speaking about him, bringing others to, to Jesus that they may meet him too. I reckon each of us is, is somewhere on, on that, on that um, spectrum, on that flow. And I reckon there are a couple of implications uh, from this passage, depending on where you are on that. Uh, the first is those who, uh, who have not yet seen Jesus with eyes of faith. You may have heard these claims for the first or fiftieth time, but notice how the disciples here, they, they, they hear these things and they just follow him. They've, they've trusted that what has been said about him is true. As the disciples spend time with Jesus, they, they investigate these claims. Uh, and, and what we're going to do over the, the coming weeks as a, as a church is we're going to look at these things, 
that these claims that are being made about Jesus will be confirmed by his actions and the things that he does as he interacts with the world around him. But what about you here this morning? Uh, these claims have been made about Jesus. Let me encourage you to investigate them further. Why don't you read through the rest of John's Gospel this week and, and, and see the confirmation of what's been said about him with the way that he's acted and behaved in this world and, and bring your questions or, or, or thoughts to, to, to friends and, 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 uh, or family as well who follow Jesus. Because as we've seen this morning, Jesus is the promised king who reigns uh, forever, who died to deal with our heart problems so that we could be in relationship with God. Let me encourage you to see this truth and to see with the eyes of faith. And for those of us who who have seen Jesus with the eyes of faith, uh, we have investigated him, we have followed him, there are implications for us too. We have seen that Jesus is God's promised king. We know this truth, this reality, this wonderful good news. And we need to learn from the disciples here have been so caught up in their faith and trust in Jesus and instantly gone and told others about him and have brought others to, to meet him. They've gone to their friends and could check it out. I've met the Messiah. I've met this. He's, a mate. He's the one. You have to come meet him too. Come, come. And for us, we could say the same things, but hey, come. Investigate it further with me by reading John's Gospel. They have been struck by the amazingness and declared it too. Have you been struck by this amazing truth? Because the natural response for us is to to share this news with others just like them. These are the implications for us uh, today, that this goodness drives us to, to speak. And maybe we need to ask, if we're not amazed by it, Have we truly seen Jesus with the eyes of faith? Are we willing, are we able to proclaim the good news to others? Something I really enjoy doing, people think I'm weird, but I really do enjoy it. I I like knocking on people's doors, particularly uh, around our neighbourhood here and talking to people about Jesus. I I love it. I get a kick from it. I try to do it monthly. In light of what's been going, I haven't done it much for a while, but I'm planning on going in a couple of weeks. I'm planning on going soon. Uh, keep me accountable. Ask me how I've gone. Um, but why don't you come join me? Come join me. And let's speak about our amazing Lord Jesus, the amazingness of him to, to, to the people around us. And you may find that as you speak to strangers about Jesus, it may give you confidence to speak to your friends and family about him too. Evangelism. Proclaiming Jesus will look different for each one of us. It will look different, yes, no doubt. But that doesn't excuse us from not speaking. We all have mouths. We all have the ability to proclaim. We all have the ability to speak. And these are wonderful truths that we have the privilege of proclaiming to this world who so desperately needs to know him. Not everything we'll see the disciples do as we read through John's Gospel is worth us copying. They do lots of stuff that we shouldn't do. We will, but we shouldn't do. But them telling others, being so excited by Jesus and telling others about that, we can learn from that, and that is something we must do too. Seeing Jesus with the eyes of faith will lead us to follow him and to trust him, to give him our lives. And by recognising him by faith, We see him as the Messiah, God's chosen king, the lamb who died to save us from our sin. 
who was sent by God to save a people for himself. Uh, let's, let's, let's pray together. Father, we are so thankful for the Lord Jesus. We are so thankful for the privilege we have had to, to see him here this morning uh, on the pages of, of your word. We're so thankful for, for the disciples who, who wrote this down that we could see and understand and see Jesus this morning. Father, we pray that you would so help us uh, to continue to, to see him. And for us who, who, who don't yet know him, that we might investigate these truths further. That you would help us uh, be struck by Jesus and want to follow him too. Father, for us who, who do follow him and live for him, do give us great uh, courage and, and boldness to proclaim Christ to those around us that we would be so struck by this amazingness that we would want to just bust at the seams to tell people around us too. Father, this news is so good. Help us have confidence to proclaim it too. Father, we do pray that you might use us for the furthering of your kingdom. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.